We're reading from John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this passage, we see a problem, and we see the solution to that problem. There's a problem that is described, and there's a solution that's prescribed. And the problem is what Jesus refers to here as thirst. In verse 37, he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now, you you can tell from the context that Jesus is not talking about physical thirst or dehydration, as bad as as that is. He's talking about a thirst that's much, much deeper than that, more serious even than physical thirst. He's He's talking about a deep, deep emptiness in the human soul where, where, uh, where you just feel dry and broken and hollow on the inside. Just you, you feel like something important is missing. Something's lacking. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. You know, just this feeling, I, I, I need something more. Now, sometimes people will experience this thirst for the, for the first time in their life after some great accomplishment. You know, they reach their goals, their dreams come true. Um, maybe they attain everything that they thought they needed to have a happy life, and, and they discover that it's it's just not enough for them. I I recently um, I saw a video clip where a woman was uh, was uh, telling her story. She was a professional singer back in the 1970s, and she was talking about when she got her big break as a professional. Um, she was invited on a six-week international tour as a backup singer with Bob Dylan's um, rock band, which in the 70s, that was, that was the top of the world. And she talked about how, it just, how they traveled through Europe on a private train, and they stayed in the best of hotels, and they met all kinds of celebrities. It was just, it, her dream of making it in the music world had finally come true. And, um, and this is, this, these are the words, this is what she said. She said, um, she said, when the tour was over, rather than being elated, I felt completely empty, completely lost. Like I'd climbed a mountain and looked over, and there was nothing on the other side. I, I was asking myself, what is life all about? If it's not just about having fun, if it's, if it's not even about your art or your talent fulfilling you, because she said, because these people I traveled with were so artistic, so talented, but they had their own issues. She said, what was life about? So, so sometimes that will be a person's story. They, they, for the first time in their life, they will sense this emptiness, this spiritual thirst, after they make it to the top, the top of the world. Sometimes, however, pe- people will feel this thirst, not when they make it to the top, but when they hit bottom. In, uh, in John chapter 4, we read about an encounter that, that uh, Jesus had with a woman. She's described as a Samaritan woman. As you, and, and as you read that, that passage, you realize that, this, that she was an individual who had basically just trashed, 
trashed her life through a series of, of, of bad decisions. She apparently had a very sexually promiscuous past. She had bounced in and out of one, you know, one failed relationship after another. And, and when Jesus met this woman, you know how he diagnosed her problem? He, he said her problem was thirst, deep spiritual thirst. He, he, they were at a well and he had just asked her for some water. And then he, he turned to her and he said, he said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who's asking you for water, you would have asked him, meaning you would have asked me, and I would have given you, he said, living water. So in that case, that woman, she, her thirst came not from you know, making it to the top, but from really bottoming out in life, from hitting the bottom. Now someone might say, you know, I, I, I understand what you're describing, and I, and I genuinely feel sorry for people like that, people who are empty on the inside, people who are thirsty in their soul, but you know... Um, I'm a Christian, so uh, I guess this doesn't really apply to me, right? Well, um, I, I think before we, you know, we just kind of rule out um, our need for what Jesus is talking about here. I, I think we, we, even as Christians, we need to notice the context in which these words were spoken. Verse, verse 37 says that, that this took place, notice, it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day. Now you say, what is, what is this feast it's talking about? Well, the, if you look earlier in the chapter, verse 4, you read that Jesus on this occasion, he was in the city of Jerusalem to celebrate what's called the Jewish festival of tabernacles or Sukkot. And the, the Jewish uh, festival of tabernacles, this is still celebrated to this day. It's an annual holiday. It lasts for a whole week where, where um, for once a year, the Jewish people will sort of reenact, relive the experience of their ancestors when, when the, the Hebrew people were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They were in the desert. So to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, um, Jewish families will build these little shacks or little tents, little structures, uh, sukkahs, and they will spend time eating and singing and, and praying inside these little tabernacles. Now, in the first century, all right, the temple was still standing in, in Jerusalem. And so Sukkot, the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, this was one of three times every year when devout Jews were, if they really wanted to follow the law, they were required to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate um, the festival in, in, by the temple. And uh, I don't know if all the Jews uh, in Israel would, would have gone to Jerusalem, but the really serious ones, the ones who really loved God, the devout followers of the law, they would have been there. So that's the context where these words were spoken. When, when Jesus said, when, he, when Jesus stood up and said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Understand, we need to understand, he was not here talking to, you know, broken Samaritan sinners. He wasn't talking to people who had hit bottom. When Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me, he was addressing a devout worshipers of God. He was talking to God's covenant people. So I would you agree? I think we can infer from this that um, religious involvement, religious commitments in and of themselves, religious activity is not sufficient to satisfy the deepest needs of our soul. I mean, Jesus understood that even, even devout worshipers might still possibly be empty, thirsty inside. Th this week I was uh, reading something written by a Christian blogger. Uh, this is what he wrote. He said, I read my Bible every day. I pray at least twice a day. 
I actively serve at church. I have a Christian mentor who lovingly counsels me whenever I need counsel. Everything seems to be in place. But why am I empty? Why am I stuck, joyless? I wonder if you can relate to what that guy was saying. See, the the problem that Jesus is addressing in this passage, this, um, this deep, deep longing of the soul, this is for people who've made it to the top of the world. This is for people who've hit the bottom in life. This, this is for religious people who go to church or even who watch church online, you know, during pandemics. This is for, this is for all of us, this deep, deep, this sense, I need something more. I need something more. So the problem here, the problem here is uh, thirst, spiritual thirst. Now, the solution um, that Jesus gives is actually pretty simple. Uh, to, to, to deal with our spiritual thirst, you don't, you don't need to sign up for a special course. You don't need to read a certain book. Uh, you don't need to master a new discipline in your life or seek you know, some kind of great spiritual insight. Here's what Jesus said. He says, if, if, if anyone, he says this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John says, now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. So what is the solution to this deep, deep emptiness, this longing of the human heart? Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, come to me. That's the solution. Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me. Now, let me make uh, just four observations about these words that Christ makes here, this great promise that he's making. The the first thing I want you to notice is this promise here applies to anyone. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Now, in, in the original Greek, the word that they translate, anyone, you know what it means? It means anyone. Without restriction, without limitation, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done or what you've failed to do. And you'll notice here, according to Jesus, the promise, it's not limited to people who have really, really strong faith, who never struggle with doubts. No, Jesus just says anyone. He says, if you're thirsty, you qualify. If anyone thirsts, anyone, come to me. That's the first observation. Now, second observation. When Jesus said these words here, all right, he was actually making an astonishing claim about his own identity. He was saying something about who he understood himself to be. You see, in the, um, in the Old Testament, you, you read the Old Testament writings of the prophets. In the Old Testament, the one who promises to satisfy our thirst by giving us the Spirit is Yahweh none other than the living God himself. Isaiah 44 says this, this is what the Lord Yahweh says, he who made you, he who formed you, I will pour water on the thirsty land. I will pour streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So it's Yahweh who says that. Again, Isaiah 55, Yahweh says, come all you who are thirsty. Almost the same words as Jesus. Yahweh says that, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So um, what the Old Testament scriptures said was, if anyone's thirsty, come to Yahweh. What Jesus said was, 
If anyone's thirsty, come to me. Come to me, he said. So, do you see, what is he saying about himself? He's making an astonishing claim about his identity. And so it's no wonder, if you read on in in John chapter 7, no wonder that later, almost immediately after this, the crowds in Jerusalem are completely divided in their opinion about Jesus. They either loved him or they hated him. And we read that some, when they heard him say this, they wanted him to be arrested. He, he was saying something about who he is. Okay, third observation. Um, when, uh, when Jesus said, when he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. That verb come in, in, in the original language is in the present tense. In, in, in first century Greek, present tense has this idea of ongoing, continuous action. Let him come. To me, So, Jesus here is not describing, when he says, come to me, he's not describing some kind of single, one-off, momentary event, come to Jesus, okay, I came to Jesus, I asked him in my heart, now I can, you know, check that off my bucket list. No, that's not what he's talking about. When he says, come to me, he is describing a relationship, an ongoing relationship, in which again, and again, and again, we keep coming back, we keep looking to him, we keep trusting him to satisfy our spiritual thirst. This verb tense that's used here, it's the same verb tense used in in Ephesians 5 verse 18 where the Apostle Paul says to Christians, he says, be filled with the Spirit, which there, that literally what he's saying is, keep on continually being filled with the Spirit. And what Jesus is saying here, it's the same kind of verbal um, communication. He's saying, if anyone is thirsty, let them keep on continually coming to me, just keep coming to me and coming back to me, right? That's what he's saying. So that, that helps me to understand um, something that I've experienced in my life and, and I've seen other Christians experience this. Helps me to understand why a follower of Christ can be, you know, at, at one time in their life just passionately filled with the joy of the Lord and then six months later find themselves feeling empty, dry, cold in their faith. Why? Because you have to keep coming. You see, one, one, one basic uh, kind of inviolable principle of God's kingdom, that, which we just need to accept, this is not going to change, is, is what it says in Galatians 6 verse 7. It says, whatever a person sows, that will they also reap. What you sow is what you reap. So, I mean, listen, if guys, if, if we... Um, on a regular basis, if we, de- if we devote more energy to Facebook and Netflix and video games and YouTube and, you know, what have you, cable news channels, if we, if we devote more energy to those things than we do to seeking the heart of Jesus, you know, we just kind of need to accept the fact that we're probably going to feel empty inside, right? My, listen, if I'm thirsty, my thirst will not be satisfied by the fact that there's a Gatorade in the refrigerator, right? I have to, I have to go and drink it. And, and, and so if Jesus says, if you're thirsty, here's what I want. I'm inviting you into this relationship where you just keep on coming to me. You just keep coming to me. You keep coming to me. And I satisfy you. By the way, this is so beautiful. When Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let him keep on coming to me. By saying that, he is telling us that he will never, ever 
get tired of our coming to him. I mean, just, we have an open, isn't this wonderful, an open invitation to Je- from Jesus just to come to him whenever we, whenever we need it. In fact, right the chapter right before this, John 6, 37, Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So if you're thirsty today, Jesus' arms are open wide. You just say, come on, come. But Lord, I already did that once. You know, keep coming, keep coming to me. All right, fourth, fourth observation. And this is, this is probably the main point of this passage and the re- we reason we're reading it today. The way that Jesus fulfills this promise, he promises to satisfy our thirst. The, the way Jesus fulfills this promise to satisfy our deep thirst is by giving us the Spirit. It, it, it says here, um, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John adds, Now this he said about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in Jesus were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So after Jesus was glorified, after his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the the Father's presence, on the day of Pentecost, um, the Holy Spirit was poured out in this amazing way with remarkable power uh, on the church. But the, the thing that John is pointing out here is that the way Jesus fulfills this promise to satisfy our deepest longings is by giving us the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? Well, you know, the Bible is just filled with descriptions of, of his amazing work in our lives. Let me point out a few things that you'll find in, in, the, in the New Testament about the work of the Holy Spirit. One thing that he does at the very, very beginning of our life of faith, um, when there's kind of that very first spark inside us, uh, that where we, we just be, for the first time ever, we begin to come alive to Christ. Or could you say, Christ begins to come alive to us. The one who does that for us, he's, it's the Holy Spirit. He, Jesus called that in John chapter 3, he called it, we're being born of the Spirit. It's like he gives birth to something new in your heart um, so you can respond to the gospel with faith. So that's one thing he does. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is he is the one who gives us insight and understanding into the truths of God. If, if Listen, if, um, if the gospel message is meaningful to you, it just, it really... You, it makes such deep sense to you that God loves you and he sent his son to die for you and, and, and that he offers you. If, if the gospel makes sense to you, you know, you know why it makes sense to you? It's because the Holy Spirit has given you insight into it. First, First Corinthians chapter 2 says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. It says these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is he, um, he helps us. He comforts us. He encourages us when we, when we face difficult times in life. And we, boy, do we face difficult times. Jesus, Jesus in John 16, verse 13, he, he called the Holy Spirit the comforter or the helper. And the word that's used there in Greek, it literally means the one who comes alongside to encourage. <laughs> I t- I love that picture of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who constantly comes alongside me as I face hard things in life. He just comes alongside, not to criticize, not to condemn, but to encourage, to comfort. 
Another thing the Holy Spirit does, and, and uh, I, wonder, I wonder if you've experienced this, He empowers our prayer, our prayer, our prayers, our prayer life, so that when we go to God in prayer, we don't have to do this in our own strength. It, he's right there with us. Romans 8.26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Have you ever, ever felt weak when it comes to prayer? The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He prays with us. Another thing the Spirit does is He guides us. To, to those who trust in Christ, He gives them wisdom for living. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if you've ever known um, Christians who basically have no formal education. They've never, they're not very well trained, but they just seem to make good decisions in life. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives this kind of wisdom to people. In fact, Romans 8 verse 14, in Romans 8 14, Christians are referred to as, quote, those who are led by the Spirit. He does that for us. And one final thing, you know, as Jesus is, is promising um, this, these, these rivers of living water that just flow and keep flowing from within us, this gift of the Spirit. One final thing the Spirit does for us, and this, for, for those who've seen this happen over time in their life, it is probably the most precious thing the Holy Spirit does. Little by little, over time, He transforms our character to make us more and more like Jesus. He doesn't change the outside. He changes the inside. He, Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit. Have you heard this? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know, whenever you've just thought about the kind of man or the kind of woman I really would like to be, I would like to be joyful, I would like to be kind, I would like to be uh, good and courageous, I want these qualities, everything you've ever desired to be. As the Holy Spirit works in your life and as you keep in step with Him, trusting Him, obeying Him, uh, looking uh, to Jesus, that's the kind of person He makes you to be. Isn't that wonderful? So, um, the way Jesus keeps this promise is he gives us the Spirit. So the problem is thirst. Um, we, all, uh, we all suffer from this. Some people hide from it, but we all have this deep, deep longing inside. The solution, Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me. The solution is come to Jesus. Would you let me pray for you? Um, Father, we thank you and we praise you that in Jesus we find, um, we find your answer to the deepest need of our heart in our life. We thank you that his, his offer of uh, the Spirit's presence, the, the, the flowing of these, these rivers of, of life, we thank you that his promise is for anyone. So I pray, Father, right now for all of us. Um, there may be some who, this is the first time in their life, they've just say, yeah, okay, I'm coming to Jesus. I want this. Others of us who we, we, we need to, you know, we, we know Jesus. We need to just come back and say, I'm thirsty again. I'm thirsty. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us grace to respond, to come to Christ, to receive, um, just to receive freely what he offers us. And I pray for that deep, deep renewal of the Spirit's work in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives.
Comforter, come. Holy Spirit, come. Amen.